Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is Tuesday, the 23rd day of August 2022. Have you heard the name Stephen Gopfert? G-O-E-P-F-E-R-T? Stephen Gopfert is the first openly gay body man to a president of the United States. That's right. Joe Biden has his own personal boy, his own body man, just like many presidents have had. But this one is openly queer, and he'll be departing his role at the White House at the end of this week to take up a new politically motivated post at the Department of Transportation under the other queer in the Biden White House administration. You know, Pete in the booty gag, Pete Buttigieg. According to CNN, Mr. Gopfert will be replaced by the White House receptionist, Jacob Sprayer. See a pattern here? Do you see a trend? From the campaign to the White House, Stephen Gopfert has been by my side, Biden said in a statement. In moments big and small and extraordinary, he's been a trusted and loyal confidant who everyone counts on and who always <clears throat> delivers. Jill and I will miss Stephen, but we're proud that he will continue to serve the American people in his new role in the Biden-Harris administration as he continues his career in public service. Now, if you've never heard the term body man before, they occupy a unique role at the White House. The duty of a body man stretches both across the chief executive's public and private lives, requiring the person holding the job to be present at the president's side nearly 24 hours a day. The extreme demands of the job force every president dating back to Tricky Dick Nixon to cycle through multiple body men throughout their terms of office. Barack Hussein Obama had two, Donald Trump had four. Gopher is the first openly queer, gay, fudge-packing presidential body man. Did I go that far? Yes, I did. He first entered the Biden orbit during the Obama years, where he served as a senior advisor to Biden and his chief of staff. Gopfert eventually took over Biden's full personal aid duties on the 2020 campaign trail. So when I told you Joe Biden needs someone to hold it, shake it, and let him know when he's done, that gay guy, Stephen Gopfert, has been the go-to body man for Biden all along. <laughs> this is the Truth Hurts program, telling it like it is. Student loan relief will be coming, according to the Biden administration, as early as tomorrow. You heard me correctly. The Biden administration is supposed to be unveiling their plan for student loan relief. It will cost billions and billions of dollars, and there will be favors for top earners. According to Bloomberg, forgiving student loan debt in the United States of America, a feat put into place by Joe Biden tomorrow, will cost somewhere between $300 billion 
and one trillion dollars over the next 10 years. This according to a new analysis with the majority of relief going towards borrowers and the top 60% of earners in the United States. But I thought I was supposed to help the poor. No, 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 no. It's going to pander and cater to people who vote, who matter to the Democrats. The Penn Wharton budget model estimate was released today ahead of Joe Biden's anticipated decision that will happen likely tomorrow on whether or not student loan debts will be forgiven. White House officials have been trying to combat the critiques that hold such a move would add to rampant inflation, it will, and that is a political liability for the Democratic Party and Biden. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Penn Wharton Budget Group is based out of the University of Pennsylvania and is run by a top former Treasury official under Republican President George W. Bush. And that group is very influential with key Capitol Hill lawmakers, including Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. The group estimated that between 69 and 73 percent of any debt forgiven would go to households that rank in the top 60 percent of the U.S. income distribution. In other words, the wealthier 60%. Biden allies and debt relief advocates expect the administration to extend the current pause on student loan repayment through the end of the year, while announcing to forgive as much as $10,000 in student debt for borrowers whose income fall below $125,000 $125, a year. Well, that's going to be just about all of them because not too many people come right out of college making $125,000 a year. Inside the Biden White House, there's been discussion in recent weeks on forgiving a higher amount of debt for lower income borrowers who received Pell Grants, according to people familiar with discussions. Oh, they are trying to buy votes ahead of the midterm elections. They've been putting this off and putting this off so they can get the timing just right so that when the student loan forgiveness letters go out, those folks will remember who gave them a break at a high cost to people like you and I. But don't worry, the Democrats spin Biden's success and wish upon a star for midterm magic. According to Fox News, Liz Peek says, don't you dare believe it. Are Republicans about to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? That's what liberal media would have you believe. For the past few weeks, every single day in the Washington Post, the New York Times and others, the usual message boards for the Democratic National Committee have been celebrating Joe Biden's ever so slightly teeny tiny rising poll numbers and what he's calling legislative accomplishments. The Times recently trumpeted Biden is on a roll, quoting White House aides claiming the president has enjoyed a, quote, string of victories that compares favorably to the two-year legislative record of most any other modern president, unquote. It is, of course, a lie, but the Times, the Post, the liberal, woke, progressive, liberal, leftist media outlets, they don't care about the truth. According to the Times... Biden recently descended from Air Force One with a, quote, jaunty step 
playful manner, and a huge grin. The invigorated, reinvigorated 79-year-old president is spry. Once again, the Times reports, within the halls of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Mr. Biden is being likened to LBJ or even FDR. FDR was in a wheelchair. Joe Biden belongs in a old folks home. And Politico recently ran a headline, quote, Wait, is Biden a better president than people thought? Unquote. The answer is simply this. No. Biden is still a highly unpopular, very ineffective president whose recent promise to get out on the campaign trail, now that he's recovered from two bouts of COVID, must have Democrat candidates shaking in their boots. Very few Democrats running for any office at any level want anything to do with Joe Biden. Few want the president at their side when they're trying to explain to Americans why the price of eggs are up 38% in the past year. And why COVID-19 wasn't shut down, but the economy sure the hell has been. Why does COVID still haunt the land despite Biden's promise that the vaccine will kill off the virus? It hasn't. They can't imagine Biden's response when voters ask directly how our booming economy fell into a recession under the Biden regime. Or why Democrats are allowing 2 million people to enter the U.S. illegally this year. And that's just the ones we've caught. They sure don't want to be there when Biden has to answer a question about how he plans to make the city streets safer for Americans. It is true that Biden's team finally put a couple of points on the board, but when you're down 42 zip, a field goal is nothing. They managed to pass a bill fraudulently titled the Inflation Reduction Act, that only 12% of the nation actually believes will reduce inflation, and they're deluding themselves. Instead, this bill addresses the so-called climate change lie, which fails to rank in the top 11 issues most concerning to Americans and will do absolutely nothing to stem man-caused global warming. The bill does offer help for Medicare patients struggling to buy some prescription drugs, but most of those savings won't show up until after 2025. Oh, the people are going to be pissed. The bill also promised middle-income Americans and small business owners a more invasive, fully armed, willing-to-use-deadly-force army of 87,000-plus new IRS agents. And their job, in order to keep their job, will be to try and uncover tax cheats. You know, when you said you drove 13 miles every day to take Junior back and forth to his autism awareness class, and it was really 12.7 miles? Over the course of 52 weeks, you might be cheating the government out of $1.87, but they're coming looking. And while they're there, they're gonna look at everything. And they're going to have the power of law the power of the Biden administration to dig through your dresser drawers, your closet floors, your safe. Hell, if they can break into Mar-a-Lago and raid a former president's home trying to either look for or plant evidence of some crime that never happened, what do you think they're going to do to you, average American nobody? Biden's also boasting about 
allowing the assassination of Ayman al-Zawahiri. Wait, I thought he was killed while Trump was president. Oh well, we'll never know, because all of those records are sealed, of course. He can also brag about inflation of only 8.5%. It was even worse. And the signing of the CHIPS bill. But guess what? 8.5% inflation is not what Joe Biden actually believes happened in July. He says it was zero. A bold-faced, right-in-front-of-the-camera lie. It was 8.5%. I don't see the media calling him out on the lie. Why should they? They're in bed with the Bidens. His list of so-called victories is very thin. But after a catastrophic first year, marked by epically, historically low approval ratings, which included our disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, record high inflation, a recession that is occurring by all definitions of a recession, empty shelves, supply chain issues, a border crisis. Oh, and did I mention crime? And did I mention crime? Joe Biden has set an extremely low bar, which even his old feeble feet can step over. He's now averaging around 39.8 to 40.7% approval ratings and a 55.9 to 62% disapproval rating, depending on which polling organization you listen to. According to Real Clear Politics, his approval rating is sitting at 40% and his disapproval rating is sitting at 55%. Woo, that's up very, very slightly from last month. Cheering is far and wide, especially because Democrats think that the tick up in Biden's standing might protect their majority in Congress. Left-leaning political pundits are suggesting that Republican gains might be modest, if any, and the GOP might take control of the House, but will not win the Senate. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader in waiting, recently echoed Democratic skepticism about a red wave, saying there's probably a greater likelihood to flip the House, but not the Senate. Mitch McConnell is a joke. The Washington Post described McConnell's comments as, quote, grim 2022 expectations setting, writing that the Republican senator is reflecting the emerging reality of improving Democratic Party politics prospects. Based on what? A narrowing of the generic congressional ballot? Polling problems for a couple of Republican candidates in swing states? Democrats think that bad-mouthing GOP prospects will dry up fundraising and enthusiasm for Republican candidates. They simply want the Republican Party to give up. My friends, it is way too early for you to hang up your cleats. Even the Washington Post admitted that McConnell's remarks provided an early start to election predictions, but they're just that. Tradition has it, most voters don't even start paying attention to the midterms until Labor Day. 
The tide can turn within weeks of the actual voting, and it should be worth remembering that in the year leading up to the November 2010 election, when Democrats suffered one of the biggest wave defeats of all time, losing that historic 63 seats, the generic ballot seesawed back and forth. Even in late October, Newsweek that year had showed the Democrats leading by three points, and they lost 63 seats. So while you might think it is fun to try and dissect the current political mood in the U.S., it is worth remembering that a whole lot can change in the next 11 weeks. Inflation, Biden's. Recession, Biden's. The economy in general, Biden's. Those are key and they favor the Republicans. We recently experienced two down quarters in a row. That means recession. Biden's. The current period looks weak and it's getting weaker. Layoff notices at Ford today, another 3,000 announced will be laid off. And other large corporations looking to follow suit. The current period looks weak and it's getting weaker. The Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank's third quarter GDP estimate is now even less than it was just 10 days ago and very likely could be negative again. Hmm. Inflation is slightly beginning to cool thanks to people not being able to afford food, therefore they can't afford fuel or plane tickets. So the supply of fuel has gone up slightly, which has dropped the price of fuel slightly. But a gallon of unleaded regular fuel on the nationwide average is still $1.68 to $1.75 higher than it was when Joe Biden took office. Him trying to take credit for a modest drop in fuel prices after causing them to be raised to historically high levels is ridiculous. It's like digging a giant hole in your backyard and then rushing out with a teaspoonful of soil, throwing it in the hole and saying, look, mommy, I'm helping. The stock market unsure of where anything is heading, the housing market trending downward, a drop in consumer net worth and consumer confidence and spending. The only bright spot for households has been the robust jobs market, but a recent survey by Price Waterhouse shows that half of business leaders will be cutting staff. 52% have implemented hiring freezes. This crazy strong jobs market that Joe Biden is touting will likely disappear long before the midterms, and it's only trying to recover jobs that the Democrats forced people out of during those draconian lockdowns for the Wuhan China novel coronavirus that Joe Biden promised to shut down when he also promised to not shut down the economy. But it's shutting down quickly. The uncertain economy, the ongoing inflation, the recession, the weaker jobs market can't possibly help the Democrats. And none of them will do anything to stop crime, illegal immigration, and our disastrous joke position on the world stage. As of today, 74%, just about three quarters of the Americans believe the country is headed in the wrong direction. 
Americans, my friends, will vote for change, and we will indeed have the predicted red wave. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Let's buzz through the headlines quickly, shall we? Um, Starting on this end, judges are now using their retirements as leverage against the president. Yep, we're going to get our way or we're going to quit. And then you'll have to try and go through the long, arduous process of replacing us. So you better give us our way. Tampa, Florida has the highest inflation of any large city in the United States of America. We'll look at that one in another edition of the Truth Hurts program. Americans are angry and worried about the U.S. future, according to an NBC News poll. Well, we just talked about that. I talked yesterday briefly about eight illegal immigrants posing as unaccompanied minors by the Border Patrol to avoid being deported. And the leftist, liberal, progressive, woke, Democratic Party-supporting media who used to have a firm control over the information you receive, well, now they're mourning the loss of control over that information. Journalists in the establishment media think that they are all that stands between a dictatorship and democracy. And as a result of their self-righteous attitude, they think they must be the final arbiters of what the peasants are allowed to know, you and I being the peasants. That is the gists of Margaret Sullivan's final column in the Washington Post. Miss Sullivan is retiring her column and leaving the Post, signing off by giving advice to journalists on, quote, covering the threats to democracy, unquote. After droning on about how great it is, reporters recognize the threat of former President Donald Trump. Sullivan made a grand proposal. The media should tell people what to think. That's not surprising, but it's finally nice that one of them has the guts to say it out loud. According to Ms. Sullivan, it is better to wait until speeches, rallies, and debates have occurred and then present them packaged with plenty of so-called truthful reporting around them. Voters are too stupid to make decisions for themselves based on what they hear at live campaign events. If Ms. Sullivan is to be believed... The media must hold the public's hand and tell them, the public, who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, what to think, where to go, how to think. The Washington Post's equally self-important mantra, quote, democracy dies in darkness, unquote, is outdated. According to Sullivan, democracy can thrive only if establishment media keep the voters in darkness. This will not work, of course. First of all, there are too many other ways for you to get information. Second, public trust in the media is in the toilet and someone just pulled the handle. That's right where it belongs. A recent poll in June from the Gallup polling organization says that only 16% have trust in newspapers, including Ms. Sullivan's former employer, Washington Post. Only 11% trust the television news, a record low. But Sullivan claims that journalists shouldn't shill for the Democrats in 2024. But that claim came laughably late. Everyone can see how biased outlets like the Post have been for decades and how much worse it has gotten recently. The last thing people want to hear is how these so-called news outlets must protect them 
from life events and live events and offer voters even more of their own spin for the sake of our democracy. Sullivan's reality-based press isn't going to save anyone from anything. At this point, the only people who trust establishment media are the people who work in establishment media, and not even all of them. Ordinary people like you and I see this for precisely what it is. Liberal partisans preening about democracy as an excuse to promote Democrats and oppose Republicans on everything. No, Miss Sullivan, your advice will solve nothing, but perhaps your example can. If reporters with the same worldview as Margaret Sullivan want to restore media trust and truly protect our democracy, they can start the process out now by retiring today. This is the Truth Hurts program. And finally today, there's an article in the New York Slimes that says Trump kept more than 700 pages of classified documents, according to a letter from the National Archives. Hillary Clinton refused to divulge 30,000 emails. No investigation, no one raided her home, no one did anything to try and recover those classified documents. And unless proven to not be classified documents, I can only presume that they were classified documents. Hunter Biden's laptop doesn't contain classified documents, but it contains very damning evidence against the sitting president of the U.S. I don't see a big investigation going on there. But no one's afraid of Joe Biden running for president again. He's going to do so. These folks will do anything possible to keep Donald Trump from running again in 2024. And so they're going to keep the heat on him. They're going to keep the focus and the attention on him and try to pin every single negative thing in the world on Donald J. Trump. Oh, my friends. If Donald Trump had intended to keep classified documents, if it was his true intent to harm the country, do you really think he would have let other people pack those boxes and ship them down to his living room at his home? The man owns properties around the globe, hotels, casinos, and other businesses, private homes and golf and country clubs, all types of resorts. There are millions of places that Donald Trump, if he had any ill intent or ill will, could have hidden classified documents. Certainly not at his home. A letter dated May 10th, written by the acting U.S. archivist Deborah Steidel Wall to one of Trump's lawyers described a state of alarm in Justice Department as officials there began to realize how serious they thought the documents might be. The letter suggested that top department prosecutors and members of the intelligence community were delayed in conducting a damage assessment about the document's removal from the White House because supposedly Donald Trump's lawyers tried to argue that some of those documents were protected by the same executive privilege that allowed Barack Hussein Obama to seal every single solitary document pertaining to his life before the White House, including college transcripts, and other secret information. 
The letter was made public after a legal motion was filed in Florida asking a federal judge to please appoint an independent arbiter known as a special master to weed out any documents that would be protected by the same executive privilege all sitting and former presidents have. They're doing this, my friends, specifically to keep tarnishing Donald Trump's name in the hopes, the desperate hopes, that he, Donald Trump, will not run for re-election. If you think the year before Donald Trump's election was bad, with all the lying Russia, Russia, Russia controversies, the fake dossiers, the phony documents, if you think four years of Donald Trump's presidency was bad, with two sham fake phony impeachments that resulted in acquittal, along with all types of fake news and phony reports, and you think the last year and a half since Joe Biden supposedly won the presidency were bad, just think, if Donald Trump announces that he is indeed planning a run for the White House in 2024, the heat will only get turned up hotter and hotter. That's all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye for now. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music provided by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Audionautics.